0: Did DARE ever Did it, even work? I don't even know. I mean, it showed me a lot of drug apparatuses. <laughs> <The> drugs. <laughs> and Mr., and I Mr. was like, you can make pipes out of that? Mr. T pump? and uh, Ooh, right? Mrs. Yeah. Reagan
1: got together.
2: <laughs> I learned about the whole, like, cocaine, like, yeah. pot thing, like, yeah.
0: through DARE. Yep, 100%. Damn. Were, yeah, because
2: they were like, yep. here's what drug paraphernalia looks like.
0: They were, yeah, they bring it in a big box full of shit. And I remember thinking, because we had a shop, and I had a shop class, like, Right, and um, like yeah. s- probably this is middle schoolish, right, seventh eighth grade somewhere in there, and I remember thinking, oh, the little pipe fittings from shop class, like, <laughs> duh, <laughs> like this yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah. Incorporated in
3: 1875, proclaimed as the City of Destiny, Tacoma has maintained itself as the City of Grit. Tacoma kept its in your face artistry and individuality that sets it apart from anywhere else in the world. Our never-say-die attitude continues to this day. We are honored to bring to you those who live in Tacoma and its surrounding areas, whose contributions are what bring this city to life. The reputation is real. Welcome to the Grid City Podcast. Here are your hosts... Welcome to the Grit City Podcast. I am
1: Justin. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. And your mama says, hey.
2: Wow. <laughs> wow. Is that the tagline? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. That's, is that what's on the shirts?
3: <laughs> it is now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: with us today, a reoccurring guest coming back to the Union Club, all caps, Mr. Ethan HD. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing really good. I'm doing
2: excellent, I would say.
3: Nice. That's um, I know. So this is we have a, a mostly a specific agenda on today's episode, which is I like
0: uh, that mostly specific agenda.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, because it will diverge and it will okay. diverge immediately. Yes. Um, but uh, around Seattle is a Twitter account from uh, a person that we both know, mm-hmm. and uh, he suggested that a uh, great listener that uh, you should come on and talk less about wrestling, but let's talk about comics. Because you own Destiny City Comics, and you are the proprietor of Tacoma's number one destination for comic books, graphic novels, and pro wrestling memorabilia, and I wanted to congratulate you, sir, on the uh, WAC belt that I saw you uh, wearing uh, on uh, your old Instagram. There,
2: yeah, I won it. I won the. The company's called Without a Cause Wrestling. Uh, but their ac- acronyms is WAC. WAC. Which <laughs> I don't know if that's the branding that they want to be called WAC. But I mean. You- I just think of the meme. <laughs> WAC. Right. <laughs> but yeah. What's funny is so they're based in Everett. And I wrestled their champion in Portland for DOA Pro Wrestling. And so I won the belt there. Because I haven't wrestled for that cause in like three years. Just, oh, wow. I straight up just called out their champion on Twitter. And they're like, sure. Okay. We'll make Come the on match. On. We'll make the match. And then I won. And so, uh, and I'm not scheduled for any of their upcoming shows. You just have the belt. So I just have the belt. And uh, I even t- tweeted them. I was like, my rate for doing shows in Everett has gone up exponentially. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to
3: travel up there, man. That's a bit of a trek at that point.
2: It's a long way. You factor in Seattle traffic. You know what I mean? My it- time starts from when I leave the door. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and it's easier to get down to Portland than it is at that point.
2: <laughs> oh, totally. No, because no one's trying to go to
3: Portland. Oh, calling out Portland too, man. <laughs> not to be mean, but, but you know, you know Hey, you got to do that. So I wanted to congratulate you on that. Um, the wrestling's still going good, and uh, I have to feel that. Uh, you, how how's the how's the world of comic books uh, been doing for you? And running a shop, man,
2: amazing. It, what's funny is um, when the pandemic hit, and I stopped wrestling, and I was just running the store full time. I had such a really good like work life home life balance and i was like mm-hmm. okay i want to keep this going mm-hmm. and then there's a part of me that's like i don't know if i want to go back to wrestling like i might just wow i'm good here because i was like so content and happy and i was like i don't need wrestling to be happy and like maybe i don't want to go back and then i got an email from defy and they're like hey we're gonna start doing the shows again would you be interested and i was like all right let me see <laughs> so i went to the buddy wayne academy in everett and started training up there again mm-hmm. with uh, carl randers and johnny flynn Super talented guys, and really pushed me to like be creative, get outside my comfort zone. You know, like, hey, I know you haven't like jumped in a year and a half, <laughs> but <laughs> how,
3: how do you feel about jumping and leaping and flying all over?
2: Yeah, and wow. yeah, so it just kind of snowballed, and then I was like, okay, let's let's do this. And then I had a really good wrestling work home balance. Like, I didn't feel like I was shorting any of them, mm-hmm. and then like the last couple months everybody wants to hang out with me and do stuff and i was like oh that's why i had such a good balance yep. cuz i didn't have anything else. Like, there was no
3: social things going
2: on yeah yep. cuz yep. i cut out all my friends cuz yep. we were all yeah, sheltering yeah. in place yeah. and like so now now things are getting a little more chaotic but, I'm, but things are still going really well and like the shop's been awesome um you know like i constantly get to meet like really just cool people in the community and that's one thing i didn't know it's like i knew that like we had a cool customer base mm-hmm. just from shopping there before we bought the place but, like, just meeting people, like, other shop owners in the community and stuff. Like, one of the coolest people in Tacoma is Willie from The T-Shirt Men. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And, like, Willie. <laughs> um, you probably see him on Instagram every now and then. Their shop gets broken into quite a bit. Oh, they The right yeah. by johnson Candy. Yeah. But wow. one day, they had gotten broken into. And I was like, oh, I'm going to head up that morning. Just see, like, hey, do you need anything? Need help cleaning up or whatever. And Willie saw me first. And just, like, big grin, says what's up, and he's bringing in, like, food and coffee for everybody. And I'm like, this dude got broken into last night. Damn. And you wouldn't know by his demeanor. And like, amazing. Yeah, and just the coolest dude, and he's, like, always helping out other people in the community and, like, all this rad stuff. And, like, I don't think I ever would have met him had I not ran the store and, like, needed shirts for the store and all that. And somebody was like, oh, you should reach out to these guys they are, like, two blocks away.
3: That's amazing. I mean, just in the simple fact of the matter is just like, okay, yeah, you know of the shops that you go to, um, but being that owner... Just having to even, you know, not even rely on the other people, but now you get to have and experience the fact that all these other small businesses, everyone running the same game as you doing whatever they whatever they're putting out there. It's got to be uh, kind of enlightening in terms of just being able to bounce ideas off of people too, or even just talk about, oh, hey, what are you doing for a thing? Or maybe even trying now that things are opening up more the fact that you can do a little bit more community stuff or like do something along with them and maybe have more events or stuff like that.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's the thing I've talked about with, like, other shop owners is, like, doing joint events and things. Like, we can, like, pull our resources together. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, the, the Grand Cinema in Tacoma. Yeah. When they started yeah. doing Spider-Man. Because they, they're they mostly an art house theater. So, there's a lot of people who just don't go. And I thought, like, them having Spider-Man was, like, a really great way to get people to come out that wouldn't normally go out there or didn't know they existed. Mm-hmm. And then they reached out and was like, hey, would you want to do, like, a like trivia night and do, like, a giveaway before each like, showing of, the, of Spider-Man? And yeah, it worked really well. Like, there's a lot of people that didn't know about us yeah. that were coming to the Grand Theater. And then a lot of our customers came to check it out that had never been to the Grand before. That's amazing. But and, just knew yeah. we were there, knew Spider Man was playing, thought it'd be fun. So.
3: And I love, I mean, I love Wade over there because um, we've had him on to talk about uh, the Tacoma Film Festival, but also just Weird Elephant yeah, as Weird well. Weird Elephant, yeah. Like, which is one of my favorite things because uh, I don't know if you've seen The Room. Uh, the one, the one movie that is so bad it's so good, and oh, yeah. yeah, and everyone uh, understands, you know, that you're watching a little bit of like a, a cheesy masterpiece when it comes down to it. And they were doing um, uh, a screening at Weird Elephant, but again, along the lines of a Rocky Horror Picture Show, there's 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 crowd involvement and people who know what to say things at the right time, or they're just funny off the cuff. It's kind of like a Mystery Science Theater 3000. And then also incorporating tossing spoons around and having some fun. We were able to experience that there. In addition to watching some of the older flicks, I mean, I remember seeing Fight Club again in the theater there and super fun. And then remembering, I was like, oh yeah, maybe I'm a little old for Fight Club. I don't know anymore. Like It was like having kind of an existential crisis watching this movie again as a 40-year-old.
0: I don't know if it holds up. I think it's just time yeah, it changed a little bit. But kind of at that end for me. still a decent flick.
2: It's a good movie if you grew up and the time where, like, it was a good movie. But I think if you were to show somebody who's, like, in their 20s now this movie, they'd be like, ugh. Yeah. Kind of, yeah,
3: like, on that aspect
0: of it. I I think the book is way better.
3: Um, The book is
0: interesting.
3: (laughs)
2: Like, I like the
3: book a lot. Um, I've thought the ending, and even Chuck Palahniuk says that the ending for the movie – is better than what happens in the (laughs) book, which is kind of hilarious. Mm -hmm. And even, I mean, the Fight Club even had a whole thing in China because they censored the ending of it where they just faded to black and just said, uh, all the bad guys were caught by the police and nothing bad happened. And then Chuck (laughs) Palahniuk's like, well, that's kind (laughs) of closer to (laughs) my book ending, so I don't have an issue with it, actually. And everyone's like, censoring! He's like, eh... (laughs) Artistic license, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the governmental artistic license.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
3: So, but you, just being able to experience other other uh, companies around there, right next to them, is Karina Bakery. So, I love that place as well. Like lots of fun stuff in Tacoma. Just the the fact that you can even like kind of build in those sort of events. So that'll be fun to see what you uh, have any plan- anything planned in the future, or as it comes organically, or anything like that.
2: Yeah, we do have another show, or like we're going to team up with the Grand again Ooh, nice. uh, in the next month or so. I'm waiting for them to drop the big social media Ooh. announcement. But yeah, I think it's going to be like a cool like working relationship that we're going to have. That'll be fun. We're going to co promote events together.
3: And I mean, any suggestions on that? You can just hit up the social media. You're uh, very frequent on all of that. Uh, I love your Instagram. I love the fact that uh, um, you end up frequently in wrestling moves uh, on the, uh, the 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 uh, bad end of them a lot of the times when it comes down to it to promote your comic
2: books. Yeah, so my wife and I, we started like every week we would take a picture of us like doing a wrestling move, and it wasn't until like I was like pretending to choke slammer. And I was like, if you weren't a wrestling fan, it just looks like a guy just like grabbing a woman by the throat and like lifting her over his head. I was like, oh, this looks really rough. And it wasn't until somebody from the bookstore next door was like – yo, like, what was up with that photo? And I was like, oh, it's like a wrestling thing. And they're like, oh, is she okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, there's like a thing, like a trick to it. And then I was like, okay, maybe she should just be doing the moves yeah. to me. I think that looks looks a lot safer. Uh, it kind of makes
3: a lot of good sense on that one.
0: Um, we do have – <laughs> You don't want to be that meme. Right? You know I mean? Right, that's right. what I was New thinking. Right, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's like that's, that's, that's the beauty of the internet. The oh, internet is yeah.
3: forever. Yeah. That's always having to deal with that bullshit. Um people can listen to us live and then we got a couple of people listen to us live and we have that on our Discord. Uh in addition to that we also have a bunch of different chat channels in our Discord including um the patron only which is amazing because we're posting pictures of uh, Ethan on there so you can see that live and some other things like that. We have some uh, direct content with our patrons, um but also we've got the old coaster questions Ooh. and uh always fun with those where we asked people uh to send in our questions to you and we said hey no wrestling questions nerds oh. no we didn't say that <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> i do gotta say that you're living my fantasy because you know it's been you know we got a patron uh al he's mm-hmm. my cousin if anybody did, didn't know we grew up kind of together kind of apart for mo- mo- most our lives but we spent some time in our in our early uh adulthoods together <laughs> and we talked we weren't talking comics we were talking wrestling you know what i mean <laughs> and even before that sundays when when uh wwf came on tv on network tv oh yeah oh, it was i'd spend the night at my uh, friend michael's house and uh sunday morning was uh you know saturday night we'd read all the comics and sunday morning we'd watch wwf you know and that was a weekend
0: yep that's you, the life you know? right there hell right? yeah it is
1: yeah.
3: And uh, you just, you were talking about Al because he had one of the first coaster questions. Right. The first one he says, What is your favorite item or items at Destiny City Comics? Because you do have a lot of memorabilia, a lot of comic book stuff. We did mention the wrestling memorabilia because you do have some of that stuff as well. But uh, graphic novels across all genres and uh, even some fun other things like that. What is your favorite thing that you got there right now?
2: Oh, God. What sucks is like the coolest stuff always goes immediately. Fair enough. (laughs) Like, we'll get something cool in, and then, like, a week later, it'll be gone. Um, Like, we had the big, like, 18-inch Wolverine figure from the 90s. Wow. Like, this dude in the 90s went to, like, a uh, KB Toys that was going out of business and bought everything. And he, like, hit me up one day, and he's like, hey, I was going to do a garage sale, but honestly, it's a lot of work. And he's like, could I just bring some toys by? And he rolled in with, like, a pickup truck full of boxes of toys. Ugh. Whoa. And some of them were, like, stuff that didn't really fit with, like, the the store motif. So I was like, wow, well, I don't really want those. But he had, like, just bought, like, two big boxes of just, like, KB Toys, like, era, like, figures. And he had just, yeah. like, the giant Wolverine. And it had, like, a little button you push. And it would, like, make the snick sound.
0: <laughs>
2: and then he also had, like, a Venom. But the batteries were dying because it had been from the 90s. And so, it just sounded like a cat's dying breath. Like, oh. every grunt was just like... <laughs> that's,
3: that's extra creepy at that point.
2: Um, but that, so that was probably the coolest thing we'd had recently. Um, God, what's the coolest thing we have there right now? God, that's a tough one. I guess mouse, um, when we have oh. it in stock, which... That's a whole
3: controversy right now yeah. because, what was it, Kentucky decided they wanted to ban the book from libraries?
2: I think, yeah, I think it was in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. and
3: this is, it's an interesting aspect because, well, I'll let you tell uh, talk a little bit about Mouse.
2: Yeah, so Mouse is by this author, Art Spiegelman, and it's his father's story of World War II, Germany through the eyes of his father, who was Jewish and had to live through that. And, yeah, this school district decided that they didn't want it. There, Amongst other books that Mm -hmm. were also about, like, you know, people of color, social justice issues, things like that. And they basically decided to ban it because there's one page where they show, like, a boob. And they're like, oh, it's too graphic. We can't do it. And it's like...
3: Any excuse to get it out at that point.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, like, anything does when you tell people you can't do this, it backfires. And now, like, everybody wants to read it, which is awesome because it's a great book. But I remember, like, the morning it happened. I hadn't read the article And I woke up to two emails from people going like, hey, do you have mouse? Wow. And like, it's a book that sells, but it's like, oh, once in a while, somebody will be like, oh, hey, I have a friend who told me I should read this. And I was like, oh, something is up. And I was like, something that really, really bad happened. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, Art Spiegelman's dead. Because like, those are the only two reasons like a book that's been published for like 10 years goes up. And then I was like, oh, of course, some school banned it. And it was the same thing when like, there was some school that banned I Am Rosa Parks. Yeah. And they banned that. And then, same thing, like everybody wanted a copy of it. And so we've been getting copies in periodically. Like, it's such a hot book that even our distributors just like kind of sending out like a few here and a few there, like trying to give everybody a little something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I highly recommend it. Like, it's definitely one of those things where I think graphic novels, especially for stuff like that, you have like George DeKai's They Call This Enemy, which is Mm -hmm. about Japanese internment camps during World War II. You know, you have John Lewis's books, March. I think there's something for especially younger people where it makes it feel more palatable. Yes, cuz it's hard to go to like a, like somebody who's like a high schooler and go, "All right, imagine the 60s." This generation <laughs> you have nothing about Yeah, mm-hmm. that you
3: are so far removed from like your parents didn't live in it, and your grandparents more than likely did, but
2: yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to get somebody to like understand what things were like, but it's like if you can have somebody who can help visualize that for you. Absolutely. And also I think it's in a weird way it's less wordy. And so I think it also feels less intimidating because Mm -hmm. it's not just like, all right, here's a book of just black and white text. Have fun. Yeah. Like, there's a visual aid to go with it. And I think it also helps kind of, I guess, modernize it. It doesn't feel like you're reading this book from, Mm -hmm. like, the 50s or whatever. Yeah. when you get cuz like to kill a mockingbird they re-released as a graphic novel Did right? they really? I didn't even realize that. A couple years ago. And it's wow. Great. Okay, cool. I read all of Atticus's dialogue uh, in Gregory Peck's voice. Oh, that helps right, a lot. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. My only reference to it is is yeah. the movie. And I love the film. Mm-hmm. And it's the only movie where I think I've actually sat through the entire courtroom scene. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a long. It is very long, scene, yeah. But it it holds you though. But, yeah, I think it just gets younger people to read stuff because it feels like this is a book for my generation. Like, the story's mm-hmm. older, but it's for our generation. It's like when they, like, remade, like, the live-action Lion King. Yeah. And all these yeah. people were like, oh, but the Lion King's a classic. And it's, like, for you. Yeah. But not these kids don't know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is. Right. This means nothing to them. <laughs>
3: JTT, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not to clown on Disney. Oh, here we go. But last year, <laughs> and then once it was for Black History Month, they did a whole film catalog of like uh, it was like Black Stories or something like that, and one of them was The Lion King, oh, no. dude. <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Sure, it's in Africa. I mean, <laughs> you definitely hit the hit the dartboard. Yeah. I wouldn't say United bullseye. Yeah, that's a little
3: <laughs> little off on that one. Yeah. I think if like, damn, yeah,
2: yeah, if you have a story about black voices and the main black voice is, is not, the youngest yeah. son from <laughs> Home Improvement. Home Improvement. <laughs> The, Maybe not the the one you want to lead off
3: with the Tiger Beat heartthrob of the of his day, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I uh, and I'm definitely and it's like yeah, I'm definitely from that generation of like those Disney movies as well too. Uh, but you know the new generation uh, they deserve their own stuff, and it's like that whole reference to it like it's it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to be about you person like you already have yours which also is still around. If you right. still want to watch it on the same platform, by the way. And people yeah, just don't I, like
0: change. They always, you oh, know. Absolutely. Just, oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, oh. Fight it.
1: Well, yeah, but people are catching up. So Disney, I love what they're doing with uh, Disney+. Plus. They have the new version of Mickey Mouse. Those little Mickey and Minnie shorts. Oh, yeah. That they make. Incredible. Just an up-to-date. Like, they do, uh, you know, old, old-fashioned, like, vaudeville jokes, but they modernize it just enough. To well, that make me laugh out loud when they br- when they brought back Ducktales, I was right. I was pretty Duck
3: stoked. Tales, <laughs> and so, and that was one of those things though. And then it was like I watched it and I realized, oh yeah, it's not for me, right. and I'm okay with that. Right. And I went back and I watched some of the old episodes, and I'm like, All okay, right. also, this is also not for me anymore, and it's oh, a very specific I part. It. It, I I I, oh. I had I had, I was okay with it, but it was also like.
0: What All about right. something? Like, I romanticized a the, lot
3: of the 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 '90s and oh, the I, '80s but, in my nostalgia. And oh just, yeah, so I'm like, this isn't as good as I remember it. Why? Yeah, okay, it was it was amazing for what I had at the time, and yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but it is. It's like the people that watched it, like your age, yeah. you know, are now old enough to make the decision to draw the cartoons. Because I like yeah. probably the reasons why you hate the new Ducktales is why I like the new Ducktales. Maybe I like the way that they uh, do the uh, uh, the characters, like Darkwing Duck, and all these little things that they did reimagine and they modernize the women. Yeah, they're not secretaries anymore. Oh, fair enough. You yeah, know, yeah, they're yeah. they're actually engineers. You know, I'm just thinking more along
0: the art style. I'm not like the content on that. (laughs) What about something like uh, Animaniacs where it came back and it was um, almost just as edgy as it was at, at the time?
3: I loved it. Yeah. and i also made me kind of think about the older version of it as well right because it like, was how like, many
0: jokes didn't you get as a kid yeah. right
2: yeah that's <laughs> definitely with me on that yeah and that's, so i so i rewatched it cuz it was on i think prime or who yeah, you watched yeah. the older ones uh the, the new, new season. season yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the new I, grew, one. I grew up on the old stuff but new yeah. stuff <laughs> i think like it was good the one thing i was kind of that i think kind of took me out of it is now i got all the references yep. and i was like specifically looking for them
0: Oh, whereas yeah. i yeah.
2: felt like as a kid like it was weird cuz there was a lot of jokes I didn't get but it's still like you kept knew my there attention. was something
3: there with it and...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. or like the a few times like when you like as a kid you would get one of the jokes and you felt like it's like when you get like an answer right on Jeopardy and you're okay. like oh I knew that one <laughs> uh, and you feel like a little good about yourself. Yeah, yeah. But with like the new one it's like oh I get every single one of these references and I think also like it was just it was more clever in the 90s because meta humor wasn't a thing yeah. and now meta humor is such like a big <sighs> part of pop culture yep. yeah that it also i felt like it was it's cool and it was funny but it's like it's not as as, as irreverent as it used to be i'm
3: f- i'm feeling that old guy um, <laughs> uh opinion yeah uh in that because uh they're bringing back Chippendale rescue rangers oh, yeah. and i was really excited for this and uh, then it was, I found out it was a kind of Space Jam legacy, oh. self referential, uh, super meta thing where yeah the the old show was just like a show and now 30 years later they're out of work chipmunks monks who like I, I, one of them got like the you know the essential of like plastic surgery by getting cgi'd and they just really and, yeah that's the show yeah and now they have okay. to come back together to solve crimes or save the world or something like that
0: i'll watch it i'll at least give it a shot oh, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm totally gonna watch gonna it
3: but i feel like i have old man opinions about it. i thought it, you right?
0: were gonna be disappointed because it was actually like men strippers and you were like, it wasn't Rescue Rangers. <laughs> it wasn't even the cartoon,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. But does that work in comics? Do do you do you think can you uh, just like they brought back Boba Fett and they you know through the Mandalorian and and stuff like that, gave it rebranding it basically, but it's the same thing. You you know can they do that with comic books? I I know.
2: Yeah. yeah oh, totally. I think you can. I mean, you're. Comics are so multi-generational, and what's nice is you don't have real actors. You know, it's all illustrations. So you can have Frank Castle be 30-something for 60 years, and it's fine. But if you want to go on a tangent where, like, okay, let's age him up, and let's see what he would look like when he's older. You can have both of those, and it feels authentic and real. But also, and I was telling my wife about this, like, the reason that I think Disney became so much more successful than, like, Looney Tunes did is because Looney Tunes has had the same 10 characters forever. Yeah. Like, it's Ooh. Daffy, it's Donald, it's, it's that, that group of, of characters. Yep. And they, they're the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously, some of them have gotten, like, pushed to the wayside because of, you know,
3: <laughs> things. <laughs> because of the things that are really great. Yeah. yeah. Because
2: yeah. Pepe Le Pew is doing. That's exactly what I was <laughs> thinking. <Yeah. laughs> and I get, like, it's a cartoon, and, like, you have to give it a little bit of leeway. You know, in the same way, like, if you watch, like, How I Met Your Mother, and you get, like, why Barney Stinson's funny, like, obviously things he does are problematic, but you get, it's a comedy, it's mm-hmm. a show, these aren't real people, everyone's exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the same thing with Pepe Le Pew, but I also get how, like, in this day and age where we know, like, it's harder to set those examples. Right, yeah. So, I, I get why they they omitted him, but but I think the problem is, like, Looney has the same cast and crew, whereas, like, you look at, like, a Marvel And sure, like, you still have, like, Spider-Man and, like, the Fantastic Four and, like, your Thor and your Captain America. But they went ahead and gave, like, younger people their own characters to grow up with. And now you have, like, Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. You know what I mean? You have, like, the new Nova. You have Amadeus Cho as the new Hulk. Mm -hmm. And it's characters that, like, these kids don't have to go back and read 60 years of lore to understand. Straight up, yeah. It's like, I grew up with this from day one. This is engineered for me. This is the generation I grew up with. And I think like Looney Tunes and like WB to an extent, like hasn't really figured that out. Yeah. And that's why they just kept making Batman movies and kept making Superman movies. (laughs) And they didn't realize, like, oh, if we give people new characters, or even just characters that are fresh, you know, like they did a Wonder Woman movie and it's an old character, but they hadn't done a movie until like five years ago. And people were stoked for it. They did an Aquaman movie and no one ever had an Aquaman movie or show. People were stoked for it. Part of the reason Peacemaker is so popular dude. is because, and again, he's been around since like the 50s, 60s, like it's a Charlton character. No one gave a... Sh- can I say this? What yeah, yeah, you? yeah. No, yeah no one gave a hot shit about yeah. the Peacemaker. No. no one. You know what I mean? Until like John Cena just knocked it out of the park with them. Oh, amazing. Dude, yeah. And he so for younger people, too. it's like, oh, yo, like this is my dude. Like I grew up on this character. And so, yeah, I think you can totally like continue to reinvent and rebrand characters and you can still pay homage to, like, the older ones that, like, came before you. Like, I love, like, I don't know if we're going to spoil the ending of Peacemaker, but I love that they made it canon yeah. that Aquaman fucks fish. It's <laughs> just <has> been, like, <laughs> the running joke forever. And I love that, like, James Gunn was like, it is now canon. Yeah. Yep. Well, and that's, like, they he, like,
3: seriously, James Gunn, I think, is in, yeah, James Gunn is definitely in my top three of directors um, that are working today. Um, just absolutely, just hands down amazing. And it's that he'll find he'll find these weird nuanced characters even like when it comes down to like definitely with his comic book movies but even with his older stuff too he'll find and just discover these really strange nuanced characters that are are essentially the marvel way that were like broken like all of the dc ones were always you know the perfect boy scout the perfect mm-hmm. god whatever how you want to go with it and Marvel always kind of had these characters who were just a little more nuanced, had issues, had problems, like, deep problems. And James Gunn can find all of those from wherever he's getting them, uh, whether it be DC, Marvel, or just his own brain. And then he can just throw them out there into these ridiculous situations. And then adding just, like, his deep lore and knowledge of, like, all comics and finding just the strangest characters to either put in, like, the Suicide Squad or, uh, like, now with, like, Peacemaker, just... It's, it's it's outstanding and it's really kind of a boon for comic book fans too. Cause, and even I guess we'd go to you as being a comic book store owner. Cause now people, I would imagine to be a little more interested in like either like maybe Peacemaker, maybe judo master, uh, or even some of the different ones that they're just casually mentioning. It's like, wait, he said something about this. It's gotta be fun because people come in saying, Hey, when did this person have a run? Or I would want to read more about this certain comic book character.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And what's nice, too, is you get people who are, like, now they're interested in these, like, B and C-level characters. And that (laughs) opens up, like, a whole new world of, like, characters that, like, if you're just reading, like, Batman or The Flash, you would never, like, come across these characters. Mm -hmm. But then you read something, like, whether it's, like, a Young Justice or something that's, like, maybe, like, a lower-tier, like, series. Yeah. And it's, like, oh, there's all these random side characters. And, yeah, I think you get, like, a better understanding of, like, the entire scope of like the DC or like the Marvel universe mm-hmm. than you do if it's just like here's the A-listers they rarely interact with anybody beneath them <laughs> <laughs> you know like when Superman needs backup he just calls in like other A-listers he doesn't you know calls in the oh, Justice yeah, League yeah yeah you know he's not like <laughs> trying to bring in like a peacemaker or a judo master or you know like a, a bloodsport or something like that gosh yeah right wow. <laughs> and i think it's cool and also like again like i think those characters are more fun to play with mm-hmm. because of the fact that like there's not this like endless lore and it's like well you have to be on you know authentic to this and that Like, you could have done whatever you want with Peacemaker. I don't think anybody would have complained and been like, well, in the comics, actually. Like, shut up. You didn't read the comics. (laughs) Those uh, those came out during the Vietnam War. Did
0: Did he even have a backstory in the comics? I have no idea.
2: Yeah, so initially he he was, and this is super nerd shit. Yeah, this is why we're on, yeah. 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 The Charlton comic series, which were, like, big in, like, the, like, 50s and 60s. And it was mostly, like, war-type comics. Like, that was, like, their big thing. Because, like, you know, a little bit of propaganda and also a little bit of just, like, giving the troops something to read and it was like to help encourage them. And there was this group and called the, I think it was called the fighting five or like fighting five. Okay. And he made a cameo in that. And then that spun off like his own little like five issue miniseries. And then Charlton comics went under and DC bought them. Okay. And so that's where like blue beetle comes from uh peacemaker. There's like like five or six characters that are still like in the, the DC universe that came over from there. And, but yeah, he was just like this generic soldier character. He that just, was it, though. He was just a soldier who just dressed like shit. Okay. <laughs> that was kind of his thing. Like He, had he still had fashion like fashion taste. Huh. I think initially his helmet was supposed to be clear like an astronaut helmet. And then I think huh. when they, like, redrew him for DC, I think that's when he got, like, the, the, the metallic helmet. Yeah, the metal
3: okay. penis helmet.
2: <laughs> yeah. But he still had, like, the red shirt, the white pants. Like, just dressed like he was, like, just managing, like, the appliance section of a target huh. is how he was dressed. Uh, but, yeah. And so, like... Nobody really knew the lore. He showed up in, like, some early Suicide Squad stuff as just, like, a throwaway character. But you figure they've had, they own this guy since, like, the 60s and never made a dime off the Peacemaker name. And now it's, like, one of their biggest properties. Like, I would guarantee you this year alone, Peacemaker's probably made more money for them than, like, ever.
0: (laughs) ever. (laughs) But even,
2: like, than, like, most of, like, their A-list characters. I guarantee you more people are probably into, like, Peacemaker than the Green Lantern fair enough yeah you know like i think and so i think it's like one of things marvel was really smart about and i think obviously a lot of it is like sony owned a lot of their heavy hitters at the time they Mm -hmm. couldn't use spider-man they couldn't use the x-men they couldn't use the fantastic four and it's like okay well how do we make captain america profitable how do we make iron man an a-list character yeah and the great part was they were like who cares the people going to see these movies probably haven't seen the comics they're not gonna know like uh iron man isn't like a all save the world type of guy. Oh, like I mean, yeah. he can save like New York or be part of like the Avengers, but on his own, he's not a yeah. heavy hitter. And they turned him into like basically the focal point of mm-hmm. ten years of films. Yeah. yeah, and I love that Doctor Strange is kind of moving in yeah. to that level. And I also feel like not anytime soon, but in maybe the next like six seven years, as like Benedict Cumberbatch starts going like, all right, it's time to move on. I think Will Smith needs to step up. Oh, and ooh. become reed richards oh. oh interesting and i had a whole tweet about it and i promised i'd give a ted talk on it
3: yeah and then i
2: realized how long it takes to tweet all that and i was like <laughs> y'all get two tweets that's whatever i can fit in these 260 characters
3: so how so 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 how, yeah what are your thoughts on like how do you how how would you bring will smith as reed richards into uh into like the
2: mcu because I'm intrigued now at this point. Yep. I mean, I definitely think, like, however they bring him in has to make sense with, like, what's going on. Oh, I mean, yeah, obviously, sure. opening up the multiverse is a great way to just say, like, oh. Everything is possible. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, Reed Richards found a way to breach the multiverse, and he's come here to save whatever which, from whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? In, he's like, in comics,
3: he has all the different iterations of Reed's.
2: Which my guess is going to be that, like, and this is what I'm kind of, this is just fan casting here, is that <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think the MCU is going to give us multiple Kangs before we get to Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's going to happen is they're going to get to Kang the Conqueror and they're going to go like, oh shit, how do we beat him? And they're going to open the multiverse up and Reed Richards is going to go, well, I beat the Kang in our universe. I'm here to save your universe. That's how you bring him in. Nice. But the reason I think Will Smith would be a great fit is I think he nails like drama when he has to be dramatic. Mm -hmm. He can be comedic when he needs to be comedic. He's a believable action guy. It wouldn't be weird to see him like body five or six dudes. Fair enough, yeah. And so I think he has all of those aspects that like you need in like a really well-rounded Marvel movie. Cause mm-hmm. like there are big budget action comedy movies, but they when they need to be dramatic, they need to nail that drama. Yeah. You know, you can be jokes and LOLs, but you still need to get people to feel something when you go, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Oh dude. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those moments still need yeah. to happen to make it more than just like a dumb action comedy. Nice. And I think Will Smith can nail that. You know, you've seen stuff like the pursuit of happiness. He can be yeah. you know heart-wrenchingly dramatic when he really needs to be so i think he's great there i think also you need to get away from like the tony stark dr strange archetype of like you have this like graying 40 something year old white guy yeah and i think will smith's a good way to make him different than that Mm -hmm. and it's not going to feel like ad nauseum yeah especially because you already had tony who did all the tech stuff and then you had strange who has all the mystic stuff I mean, you can go the like science route, but that feels really close to like Tech. being a Tony Stark yeah, yeah, kind, yeah. Of, Absolutely. kind of guy, right? Because it's like, well, you had Stark Tower, the Baxter building. Like I think that helps differentiate it. I also think you get away from him being like the torture genius. And I think you really lean into like, this is a man with a family. And really explore like the dynamic of being a family. Because the Fantastic Four is Marvel's first family. Absolutely. But Ben Grimm is just his best friend, but he loves him like a brother. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's something that doesn't get explored enough, you know, because you have like Captain and Falcon, and you've had like uh Tony and, um, I'm blanking on his name, War Machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ro- yeah. Roddy. Yeah. yeah. But they never really dig into like how, like, obviously, like, oh, you know, I love that guy, good brother. But like, you never see two guys who aren't blood realms really just say, like, I love you, man. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's a really interesting direction to go. Yeah. I'm also on board with the idea of keeping like, sue is like a caucasian woman mm-hmm. i do want to age her up that's one of the things i always thought was creepy about the fantastic Four is reads distinctly in his 40s and sue is like kind of the same age as johnny yeah <laughs> like yeah, they really
3: yeah, yeah real close uh, on that one
2: <laughs> yeah and I would, I would like to see her aged up and also there's just not a lot of like older women in the mcu
3: no not up until really with the eternals uh, having angelina jolie and that's in selma hayek Yeah. And I mean, but that's like this last year. So it kind of makes sense on that end too. I mean, it's like giving it across the whole spectrum again. And I mean, really it was a focus on a lot of white dudes for the first 10 years of the MCU. And it's not going to hurt anything, and it's going to actually help things. I was so stoked to see uh, Kumail Nanjiani in his role in The Eternals because, first off, I love him. I've loved him ever since I saw him on like IFC with him and uh, Jonah uh, doing like backstage behind a comic book store comic, uh, uh, comic shows. Like Just loving all of that to see him be able to be up there and be uh, a really awesome character. What that was pretty amazing.
2: Oh, and he's, he's so funny in everything. Oh, yes, and he is. I love The Eternals. And everybody who hates on it, I think, is judging it unfairly. Yeah, I think everybody kept putting it up against Marvel's action comedies and going like, "Well, it's not really Guardians, it's not really this," but like, it's really their first like action drama. Like, mm-hmm. it's not built to be a comedy. Like, there's, yeah. there's comedic moments, but that's it's more of a drama with action sequences than it is trying to be this kind of like funny romp. Yeah, and I loved Kingo's role in it. Yeah, because I loved him as like a true neutral party. Yeah.
3: And even like at the end of it, when he just kind of steps away, it's like it's his own truth that he's been dealing with for all of these years. And they're building these bonds, whatever kind of creatures they are, they still have that aspect of them that they've had for millennia.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I love that. Like at the end, when he's like, I'm not going to stop you guys, but I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And I like that he didn't. Yeah. Like I kept waiting for him to show up and make like the Han Solo save at the I end. I kind of was too. Yeah. Yeah. And when he didn't, I was like, that did so much to me, did so much for his character mm-hmm. because it's like, well, he truly stuck to his guns and he was like a genuine neutral. Yeah. And I think like that's kind of an underrepresented character in like these kind of movies of good versus evil is that there are people who are like truly conflicted. Yeah. And you never really get to see that. Like everybody always picks a side at the end. And I like that at the end of the day, he's like, I don't want any part of this fight from either side. hmm. And I also love that there was no main villain, really. And I love yeah. that it was all about like the inner conflict, and mm-hmm. it was you had different ideologies of like what's what, and nobody was like really the bad guy up until like Icarus started.
3: Yeah, I mean, like oh, the machinations are now finally coming to fruition.
1: If we're done to talk about Eternals, kind of, talk about uh, uh, comic movies. Yeah. Compare the Eternals to Batman, the first movie. We watched that last night, me and my wife, because my wife finally saw the trailer for the new Batman movie coming out. So
3: she, you watched like Batman 89 or whatever? Yeah, yeah, wow. with, with uh,
1: uh, Nicholson. Yeah.
0: And, oh, wow. Uh,
1: just the, uh, and the first thing that I noticed about it, how much they casted older people. Back then, then they did not because that whole cast had to be in their sixties, no matter what character they played. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the youngest guy was fifty. You know, and I just said, yeah, those Billy D. Williams as, uh, you know, would would uh, I forgot the lawyer's name, but because Harvey Dent, Dent. yeah, 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 yeah. you know, I said that they're brilliant. Each one of them pulled off the the thing, but it was such a weird vibe compared to today.
0: Oh, Uh, definitely,
1: yeah. Um, she loved it. We watched it and there was things in there that I forgot all about. Jack Palance is in there. I go, this had to be like one of his wow. last movies. Yeah. And she goes, I don't remember him. I said, I know. Right. <laughs> um, and it was, and what I also, it was shot for the big screen. And I'm thinking that when the last time I watched it, you know, was on a regular, you know, square screen. So you didn't get, so now we're watching it on, we still don't got a huge screen. But watching it in letter format, you see so much cinematic detail. It gave me a heart on me because it was like, <laughs> it was like this is a beautiful fucking movie, yeah. you, you know, to get to see it. This was shot to be seen on the big screen.
2: Oh, it truly was. Yeah.
1: Even the background details, uh, like one of them was like in the uh, when they're ever in the reporter's office stuff you can read stuff on the bulletin board in the background. So I, I paused it just to see if I could see Easter eggs and shit, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that Batman movie is like, that was the moment when comic book movies like became like, not just like popular in the mainstream, but it was also like, this is how you do it. Like, this right. is where like the blend of cinematography and comic books kind of meet because like you're saying, like there's so many big scenes that like are just so wide and beautiful. Right. And that's like, so like, in that vein of like this comic book splash pages when they would just do a whole page or two pages and it's one big image and you're just taking in like the whole city or a whole planet or whatever it is. Right. And I think that movie does a really good job of like kind of nailing those beats that you would see in comic book panels and turning it into like cinematography. And then obviously Marvel- Very true. Just went ham with it and figured out like (laughs) how to nail like panel for panel, shot for shot like remakes. But up until that point, they would always make comic book movies- like they're filming a regular movie. Like you look at, like, right. even like the old Hulk, like made for TV movies, yep. yeah. things like that. Right. And,
1: that's, and, and that was seen too. I made that comment, like, Wayne Manor wasn't really a manor, it was just a big house. Yeah. And the car that he drove, I said, no <laughs> no matter what universe you're in, that's fucking Bruce Wayne. You don't give him, like, at the time, it was like a Ford, you know, it looked like a, it. Looked like, <laughs> nah. And it, you know, they came, came rolling in. I said, he wouldn't be driving that, man. Right. It, but I get it for that movie. It was totally, he's the total opposite of what you think Batman's going to. To be so maybe that character was really toned down, and and the fact that the reporters didn't know what happened to Wayne's mom and dad, they were surprised, mm-hmm. <laughs> shocked.
2: Yeah, I think they that was also like the last few movies where like it was fun to be Bruce Wayne. I feel like every movie now because like. I think definitely as a society we've grown to like resent millionaires and billionaires more. Like yeah, yeah. and that's one thing I think is gonna be funny about like as Marvel moves on, it's like how do you make these like Tony Stark like billionaires likable? Yeah. Because now people like have grown to like dislike people like Elon Musk and things like that. Like right. I feel like it's an uphill battle now.
3: Well, I mean it's like everyone kinda likens Jeff Bezos to Lex Luthor, I mean, in appearance <laughs> and just what he's doing at this point in time. So it's like, yeah, these are now being the super villains.
2: Yeah, I think Jeff Bezos is more like a Doctor Evil. I, uh, fair enough. Mostly because he had the phallic spaceship. That was the moment where I was like, he's not Lex Luthor because Lex would have had a supersuit. Like That's Jeff true. Bezos would have had true. like an Amazon supersuit, and he was like, no, make me a space dong.
1: I ha- yeah, I, and I have to drive past or ride past his balls every fucking day. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, um, because he uh, got the big balls hanging out. Yeah. Actually, those things, those are super cool. I was uh, I had a chance to hang out in one of those. And it was during the time that they had the that the the corpse flower had the potential to bloom, so we're all just like looking at this giant thing that you know it could just open up and just fucking destroy your senses and like at any point in time, like yeah, it smells like actual rotting meat, and I'm like, oh, look at that, that's a fucking feature, <laughs> but yeah, like I just felt that it's like moving away from that kind of helps in terms of what they've been doing lately, even just moving away from having it being science or tech going into magic because at that point, like it feels that anybody has access to science and tech. And so it's not just the guys who've got billions of dollars because their father had billions of dollars or just because you were brilliant, you were able to go to the school and doing that magic kind of is a new aspect of that. And just being able to maybe, Maybe for me, being able to see, you know, just different aspects of other people's lives as opposed to just the, the rich or brilliant.
2: Oh, yeah. I think it's also, too, like, because we grow to, like, resent these rich people, I feel like as that, that social resentment started happening, mm-hmm. it was like we have to make Bruce Wayne more and more sympathetic. Yeah. And so it's like he has to be more, like, depressed and sad. Like, they really have to hammer home, like, why you should feel bad for him. Right. And it's well, like, well, let me fantasize for a minute what it would be like to be Batman. Without being like, I mean, it's a lot of Zoloft in the morning.
0: <laughs> I mean,
3: well, that's even Robert Pattinson has said that his Bruce Wayne is a quote unquote weirdo. Like he's <laughs> said that in press releases. So you're like, okay, I'll see how I am expecting all of this, but I'm also looking at this one more along the lines as I want to see more with the, um, uh, just the villains' origins more than. And it was the same thing when watching Gotham because it was Baby Batman. I didn't give a, didn't right. give a crap about him. Um, he actually actually turned out to be a, it's a good good little actor with that guy. Um, but I was more way more interested in all the villains and how they all came to be. So that's why we were stuck in with that show.
1: Yeah, uh, did you guys just see uh, uh Return of the Phantasm that Batman animated movie? Not yet. Oh, Not yet. that's an older one. Oh, old, like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. the first one from the anime basically based yeah. off the animated series. I remember it, seeing it, it but it, that was such it, a long time well, ago. Well, now, I, well, I guess I I could tell you that it does do a good job. And it really explains that Bruce Wayne ain't pretending to be Batman Batman's <laughs> pretending to be Bruce Wayne yeah all the time and they do that it's a it's a cinematic masterpiece too just like I was sitting there I gasped out loud like three times talk about <laughs> or, or origin stories yeah and stuff yeah like yeah that. it's beautiful
3: Batman the animated series was amazing like yeah. that was one of those cartoons like when you were a kid at the time like it was just like I can't believe they're making this and they're playing it in concordance with like, you know, like at the same time as fucking like the Disney afternoon. Like, I'm watching this at 4.30 on, you know, every weekday and I'm like, this is kind of dark.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, definitely. And I love that art style. Yeah. It was such a perfect blend of like big, broad strokes and like a lot of really like, sharp angles. Yeah. Which, like you didn't right. see in like cartoons. I think that's part of the appeal of it is cartoons, everything was rounded and soft and everything like even just the way people are drawn felt jagged and like aggressive Mm -hmm. and yeah I think that to to the appeal of it is it is so different they need to bring
1: that one back right and it started out (laughs) on black ink plates like you know how most people start with a white piece of paper they started out always with a black piece of paper and Mm -hmm. work from black to white or black to light Oh, yeah, yeah. Smart. yeah. So they that's how them. they did. They made that that's such like a Friday. such a yeah, yeah hey, dark. I got another coaster question. Oh, what's that? that? Oh yeah, I forgot about those. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> this is from Angry Seattle on on Twitter. Yeah, uh, not angry. Yeah, Angry. Yeah, is it's it Angry Se- Seattle. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, so. I
3: wrote that. No, around Seattle. Around Seattle. Angry Seattle that. is the Ooh. very angry tweets. Oh, okay. <laughs> and These around from Seattle around is Seattle. yeah, around Seattle. <laughs> Nick, he's the guy who. Yeah, uh, so
1: I thought it. Yeah, bad. yeah.
3: Who is the one around. who tweeted at us about all of this and uh, wanted to get this uh, this podcast going with
1: Ethan? Right. So around Seattle, he <laughs> asks, "What is the what is the most go to book?" To give to the first time comic book reader. Ooh. I like that question.
2: I guess it depends on what they're into, because comics are so it's like a broad genre now. You know, like in the nineties, it was like, Well, hope you like superheroes because you're getting superheroes. Mm -hmm. Extreme. And now, you know, there's like really great like horror comics and, you know, crime dramas and like suspense and all these different genres now. Um if somebody's into the some more grounded stuff, I usually lean towards, like, Ed Brubaker's stuff because he does really good crime noir. Mm-hmm. And I've yet to read one of his books that I wasn't absolutely drawn into. Nice. I mean, they're obviously, they're very similar, like, because it's all in that, that genre of. Yeah. But everything he does is so gripping. And, like, especially when he works with Sean Phillips, who does, like, these really great, like, watercolor-y kind of art. There's a watercolor kind of art style to it. Mm-hmm. And I think complements it really well because things are, like, detailed when they need to be detailed. But then they can all, he also can make things a little hazy, and it almost feels like this is how somebody's remembering something. And oh, you're wow. getting like, okay. bits yeah. and pieces, but you're not getting all the details because they don't remember all the details. And it's like really small stuff, but like, it, it really helps, I think, tell the story. And so usually I'll like, go that direction. Saga is always a good one for people who... And they've just come back. I mean, I bought the first two trades from
3: you. <laughs> uh, still getting through it. I love it. Like, I love that art style, too. It's so amazing.
2: Yeah, and Brian K. Vaughn's another guy who just, brilliant. Like, yeah. I even went back and read, he did a run of Mystique as a spy thriller. Really? And it's so good. It's basically, Charles Xavier's like, hey, I need you to do some off-the-book stuff for the X-Men, but you can't kill anybody. That's the one caveat. The one and, rule, wow. And Forge is, like, her M and, like, or a nice! Q or whatever and does, yeah, like, all, yeah. the, all the gadgets and things. And they do a lot of really creative things with her, her powers that, like, you wouldn't think about. Like obviously she's a master of disguise and that's the real reason he hires her to do these things. But there's a point where she gets shot in the stomach but she shifts all her organs because she obviously can just move everything around to be whatever she wants. And so she's like trying to hold her organs to one side so that she doesn't damage anything in there. And like all these weird like little things you don't think about. And like even the way she just incapacitates people without killing them. And yeah, it just, it works really well. And I love like, Brian K. Vaughan's writing style. And every conversation feels tense. And that's one thing I always like about his writing styles. You read, like, Saga, Paper Girls. Every conversation feels confrontational. There's there's a reason that people are having this talk. Mm-hmm. It's never just filler text.
3: That's amazing with that. Yeah. I forgot. He did do Paper Girls? He did Paper Girls yeah, as well. that's a good one, yeah. Uh,
2: Why the Last Man. Yes, um, which, unfortunately... Runaways.
3: Yeah. Uh, Why the Last Man is definitely a better graphic novel than it was a uh, canceled series. I did, I, I did not enjoy that one, unfortunately. But I did love the book. And that was one of those things. I love the graphic novel so much that I don't think... And I'd read it such a long time ago that I didn't think that... I think it was kind of a cursed kind of show to kind of try to do in nowadays.
2: A little bit, yeah. And I also just think, like, now's not the time for post-apocalyptic stuff. Oh. Like, it's not There's really a, what yeah, people are, are yeah. looking for. And I think that was the sure. other reason it didn't do as well. Mm-hmm. Is it just It was the wrong kind of depressing. People want, like... You can do sad stuff, but it has to be sad stuff you're removed for. Like, Euphoria does really well. And it's mostly people who aren't in high school. Yeah. So, it's like, it's dramatic, but it doesn't resonate with them the way that, like, it probably would if you True. were in high school yeah, yeah, or younger. Yeah.
3: Or even, like, in the same sort of things with comic books, because Sweet Tooth um, was a comic book that uh, kind of, it definitely explored the post-apocalyptic world. And also a pandemic-type world that really kind of reflected a huge, uh, like, a, a definitely an exaggerated uh what could have possibly be sort of thing. But I felt that one did it better. And maybe it was just the fact that you could kind of mix a fantasy element with it to kind of at least help separate a little bit.
2: Oh, totally. I think that's the reason Sweet Tooth did well is it's it's Earth, but it's not our Earth. Yeah, it's a different yeah. Earth where all these things happened, And I think also, too, because like it deals with like different classes and different races and it felt poignant in a mm-hmm. way that people wanted to, yeah. it to feel poignant. I think that also helped it a lot, too.
3: Do you do you have a favorite um, TV series based off of a comic book?
2: Ooh, yes, I do. Legion. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay, that
3: one. That one was such a mind f. I never got yeah. through it. Like, I love, I love all the actors in it. I thought they were doing great. I got about three or four episodes, and it was such, such a head trip and dealing with just like mental illness and just the the way that they went for it. It was it was pretty rough, and I couldn't quite get through it.
2: Oh yeah, it's a trip for sure. Um, what sold me on it is Noah Hawley said it was filmed as a tribute to Stanley Kubrick, and there are definitely so many times where you can wow, tell like okay. whether it's like the way like all the floors have like a continuing pattern mm-hmm. or like there's all these things. A lot of shots are even symmetrical, which is really interesting. Wow, okay. And so there's like the cinematography is really good. Um, Aubrey Plaza is amazing in it. Fantastic,
3: I and, love her as an actor.
2: Yeah, and she plays this character Lenny, who's i not, I guess I don't, it enough. to yeah, yeah, it's spoil been a it. while, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, starts out as like a real character, or so you assume. Mm-hmm. And then you find out it's just an amalgam of David Haller's friends, and it's not one particular person, but he's just categorizing everybody he did like drugs with or hung out with as Lenny. And then you go on to find out that that's not him who merged them all together, but the Shadow King lives inside of him. Uh, what was it Ahmad Farouk, I think was the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lives inside of him and was imprinted on him since a baby and like like that's how he's been surviving and so he's been messing with David's memories to like keep him like i guess kind of keep him safe but also to like keep himself safe mm-hmm. so that he has somewhere to exist yeah and then you find out like Lenny's just a figment and doesn't truly exist as one individual person and then he ends up killing David's sister and turns her into Lenny like a physical embodiment and Damn, yeah wow so, it, it goes so deep and there's all these moral quandaries and they definitely at one point go like, who's the real good guy? Who's the real bad guy? Because like, as David like, starts getting more understanding of his powers because he thinks he's schizophrenic his whole life because he hears voices and they go, no, you're reading people's minds. You're just, you're just so drugged up trying to medicate it, you can't control it. So Damn. as he gets clean, it's like, oh, I have these powers and then they kind of circle back to like, well, maybe he does have like, a mental illness to go with it and, they, yeah, I mean, they play with a lot of different things, and it's so well done. And I love that, like, every season's, like, I think seven or eight episodes, like, it's to the point.
3: Yeah. That's what I found, I found even with uh, a lot of the Netflix shows, like, a lot of the times, it felt that ten episodes was too long, and if it was more than that, I was like, "Oh no!" Uh, oh, especially man. when it came down to like uh, uh, any of the like more broadcast cable shows that they were putting out there, where you're like, "I don't need twenty episodes."
0: Dude, I would take two more episodes of, piece, of Peacemaker right now. You know, it was just too little, too definitely. short. Definitely, I
2: think that's the exception of the rule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
3: it's the exception when it comes down to that, and it's just, I mean. Seeing like like John Cena as a wrestler, I remember him as a wrestler, and then seeing him as a comedic actor, and you're like, he's pretty funny, oh dude and then seeing him in this role and being like, no, like like James Gunn was able to pull out a lot from him, but this the stuff that he knew and he brought to the table yeah. was absolutely fantastic.
2: Oh yeah, I think like especially like his improvisational stuff. Yes, when they went back and showed like all the scenes where he's like just improving. just naming all the names and all this stuff. Oh, dude, the that people. was hilarious! Man. So I was like, Ugh. you could have instead of
3: my father, you could have named this person, this person, this person, and just kept going. Oh my god, it was so
0: funny! Yeah,
2: yeah. As so I think he's really clever that way. I also think James Gunn. Not, we'll circle back. We're circling yeah. back to <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think he's so smart about how he casts people, and I didn't realize it until Guardians. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" This guy was making this like action movie, and he had um oh god why am I blank on literally everyone's name? But he had like the dude from Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, yeah, and then he had Vin Diesel, and he had Bradley Cooper, and out of those three, and and also Dave (laughs) Bautista, yes, and out of those four, he went with the chubby guy from Parks and Rec, yeah, to be like. The handsome, dashing hero, mm-hmm. you know, and all these different things. Like, why would you cast Vin Diesel to pay- play Groot? But it works. It works so well. Having Bradley Cooper play like uh, like this like assault weapon crazed raccoon, <laughs> like every <laughs> weird casting decision he make. But it all worked yeah. so well. And like even in like the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. like what movie are you gonna get like Idris Elba and John Cena and Pete Davidson like all in one <laughs> Together, film? Right and it like it all worked so well.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh it came out a little bit before that, but he did one called Super with um now Elliot Page and uh Rain Wilson. <gasps> I love that movie. Yes. It, it, and it was his exploration of uh, you know, uh also mental illness, um but also just like bottom street level, like I don't know, like alley level. Quote unquote vigilante heroes, which we've had in an aspect uh, in Seattle. So it was very, very poignant to that uh, thing as it's going on. But casting Rain Wilson as the lead, being like a vigilante, was so out there, yet it was so utterly brilliant for that movie.
2: Yeah, right. Because it was like truly just like a guy who was just fed up with stuff, right? And that's always how we're led to believe, like, you know these vigilante heroes are right it's somebody who can't sit around and watch this crime happen anymore yeah. but we always just assume they all know martial arts and are like in great shape yeah and i love that he wasn't no and he's just like i'm gonna grab me a pipe ring shoot and i'm gonna crack heads and i love no cutting like, in line shut up crime <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah it's such a good, it's such a great movie and yeah i think again yeah casting like elliot page is like the like plucky sidekick isn't yeah. something I would have thought. You know, and having Rain
3: Wilson be the hero and being so utterly brutal about it, like yeah. like he got his pedigree from like the trauma films. So it was stuff like Lloyd Kaufman and like doing the uh, like Toxic Avenger and that sort of stuff. So he is very familiar with just a practical effects and just being gory as all get out. Didn't he do a horror movies? So didn't he uh, do like Slither? Slither? Yeah. yeah, he's done Slither and he's done a couple of other ones that yeah. he's produced and such like that. Yeah. So he knows yeah. how to be gross and uh and it's just even watching with like peacemaker and you just see something like even the final fight scene you're just like oh my god yeah. i'm just like cracking up because of how ridiculous it is well, but i'm yeah. laughing at someone getting you know like their head chopped off or like limbs lopped off dude his like,
0: dialogue ah, is, is fantastic obviously we're all james gunn fans yeah <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about it for a while but um, he does a good job you're supposed to say diecutstickers.com all the time and like, that'll be my job in this I could ask you about
1: your interesting coaster and you could tell me oh fuck Jeff I'm drunk this, I
0: oh, you want let's, to let's do a play a role play, play, yeah. play. Yeah. alright all right.
1: Jeff you started are we doing something now yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we doing yeah. yeah act like here make 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 a noise bang, bang that bang that against the <laughs> Hey, Scott, be careful. You about spilled your beer all over my Grit City
0: podcast sticker. Yeah, don't worry, man. They're, they're durable. They're made by diecutstickers.com. By who? diecutstickers.com. How do
3: you get them? Go to diecutstickers.com and tell them the Grit City podcast sent you. Exactly. That's where you can get high-quality,
0: durable stickers for any of your needs. Grit City 15 to get 15% off. <laughs> Couldn't come up with it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, we need to put that in," but I couldn't. I couldn't. My brain didn't work fast enough. Can we do it again? This is too much fun, but I'm I'm a little too tipsy to be doing this. Uh, another coaster question
3: came from Derek, and he says, uh, "I got to be the guy to ask: Uh-oh. DC or Marvel? Ooh,
2: Marvel all the way. Nice. Okay, I have okay. my few DC favorites. Like, I enjoy a good Batman-like detective type series. I even enjoy the Flash. I think fair enough when he's written right. I think." He's somebody you can really like empathize with. Because the problem with DC is I think everybody's a god. Yeah. And it's hard to like go like, oh, that could be me, or like, oh, that's a real scenario that somebody could find themselves in. On like the personal side. Yeah. But I feel like with Marvel, like they really do a good job of going like, you know, this is really just a regular person or somebody with like a few abilities who's like stepping up to go beyond what they're supposed to Mm -hmm. versus, you know, you get somebody like Superman who's like, well, yeah, if I was impervious to bullets and could show up in two seconds, I'd probably (laughs) stop some crimes Uh, too. uh, Probably. Like he's got nothing to lose. And I think (laughs) it's probably a lot of like the DC heroes is they have nothing to lose. And like, they have all the skills to do it versus like a Captain America. Who's like, Really, like he's strong and fast, but he's not like Superman strong and fast. Yeah, you know, like he still has like a limit to his abilities, and I think that's something like, I think that resonates more with Marvel with like me as far as like Marvel characters go. And I also think too they, they just Marvel's a lot more quick to like go like we need to branch out and have different authors and different people tell different stories. And you had like Ta-Nehisi Coates writing Black Panther and Captain America. You know, you have like Nedi Okorafor doing like Shuri, and I um, think another book I think she did with them. Wow, okay. Um, but you, they, like Marvel's really quick to like let's get other people to tell these other stories. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like with DC it's a lot slower. It's like, oh hey, we want this like young black character uh, Naomi, and like we want to like make her a heavy hitter. Let's get Brian Michael Bendis. And it With, yeah and I and I like Brian Michael Bendis but I think that's like, not
3: the right voice you really want for something like that
2: yeah like I love his like Alias Jessica Jones is like one of my favorite Marvel mm-hmm. series and it's like probably like the only Marvel Max series that I think really holds up yeah but it's just there's certain people he can't write well and I think like definitely people of color and then especially because like LL uh, L. McKinney did uh, Nubia mm-hmm. and it's like this is what Naomi should have been oh like. Yeah it this like feels like a young this truly feels like a young black girl like i know people like nubia mm-hmm. i don't know anybody like naomi naomi feels like it's trying too hard to to like reach out and okay. have like be diversity whereas ella mckinney like nubia just feels natural like it doesn't feel like it's forced it's like this feels grounded and and down to earth and believable mm-hmm. And it's, I think that's, like, the difference between, like, Marvel and DC is, like, Marvel will just have somebody who understands the character or can connect to that character right for that character.
3: It makes more sense. And, I mean, when you get something like, like a DC doing that, obviously they're doing it because a big name will, will, will bring in something. But, again, it's going to ring hollow when you're, like, well, you're doing it for the sales as opposed to something like telling an actual uh, a story people can, can, can connect with.
2: Oh definitely. And and David Walker, David F. Walker, is also like on that in that creative group for for Naomi and I'm sure had some input and in, say Oh yeah, okay, fair
3: enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it
2: feels like it's Bendis writing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing, is like it doesn't feel like like an authentic snapshot of like um like the black experience whereas like Nubia does and that's and it's through DC and it's through their young adult line which mm-hmm. that's the best thing I think DC has going for it is nice. their young adult books
3: okay yeah um,
2: it's wow. all very standalone and it really gets outside of like the superhero genre and explores like them as characters more so than just here's like so and so off to fight doctor whatever yeah and it which is why I like those but Marvel does that on its own. Like, it's not, like, a separate line. Yeah. Like, Marvel's just really good about, like... Like, my favorite Daredevil stuff are really all the things when Daredevil's, like, conflicted with his self and is, like, battling his own ideology, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the best Spider-Man stories are always when, like, he has to choose between being Peter Parker or being Spider-Man, you know? Like, do you, like, save a bunch of people you don't know or do you save one person that you love? Absolutely, You yeah. know? And, like, because we all know that, like, on paper, the answer is you would save 100 people instead of one. But what if that one person matters to you more than 100 people you don't know? Exactly. You know what I mean? Do you break, like, the hearts of 100 families so that yours doesn't get broken? And, like, I feel like you don't get that with DC characters, usually because their family's dead. Um, <laughs> but also, they just, like, they don't yeah. get put in those positions, you know what I mean? Like, like, I think Marvel characters do. And I think it's easier to place yourself in those shoes and go, like, oh, man, what would I do? And it's a,
3: and like even to that aspect, just thinking about it, because yeah, we say Marvel versus DC. And I mean, that's obviously like the same thing with like, you know, any sort of top tier. You get the top two on that. But there are so many other independent comic book uh, uh, publishers out there that are putting out some amazing things, some artists and some writers who are just putting out their own things. Some of them have had successful Kickstarter campaigns or something along those lines, and they've been able to do it their own way, which is even better at that point because then they're telling the stories from their perspective, usually with characters that reflect them. So that's usually one of the biggest things and even as uh, Jeff's uh signaling to me we got our buddy uh, Ken Carlson who's did uh slant uh, uh hellbound slant 6 which is about a <laughs> a lady heading down to hell in her uh in her demon uh which is uh the the hot rod and we've had him on a couple of times him doing it himself and I think episode 6 or issue 6 might be popping out on the uh Uh, on Kickstarter pretty soon. So keep an eye out on that. But just the fact that indies are also, you know, with the world of the technology of how it is, like they're able to get out there even more so as well. So even if someone's like, well, I'm not really looking for a superhero thing. You can find some of those in both of the big ones, but I think it'd be even easier just to find them in like some of the smaller on the side ones. And coming to you, either sending an email or coming down to the shop, they can be like, well, I'm into some spy stuff. And you can recommend so much more than just the top two.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I especially love with indie comics now because it felt like before it's like, okay, like you have to write this pitch and maybe do like a couple issues to like show people and Mm do this concept art. And then you have to go to publisher to publisher to publisher and hope somebody goes yes. But now it's like there's so many people who have just like gone on Instagram and posted their entire comic book for free on Instagram and gotten this huge following, and then be able to go either go to a publisher and go, hey, I have 30,000 people who read this. Hmm. Even if like, only like half of those people bought this book, that's 15,000 sales. Yeah. like That's got to be worth something. Or even just going like, I'm just going to publish this thing myself mm-hmm. and do the whole thing independently. Um, Caden Phoenix did that. She had this series she was doing of like, uh, Latina superheroes, because there just weren't any. Yeah, And so absolutely. she's like, I'm going to make my own. And it was this great series, and she did all the printing in-house, did all the artwork and the writing herself. Wow. And was packed in ship stuff. And I found her on Instagram. And I thought she was great. And so we were just carrying in books. And nice. now she's like really blown up with it. Hmm. But it was just like, yeah, somebody saw there was like a hole in the market or like an underrepresented group and said, I'm just gonna do this myself. My audience will find me. And it absolutely worked. That's gotta be and-
3: exciting for you in that sort of term, just be able to be like I can just go on something like Instagram and just kind of, you know, as I'm looking through things, check out maybe some hashtags or however, which way I'm not very good at searching on Instagram, but like just going through and then suddenly you come across an artist and you're like, oh, you're pointing out a thing and then you... You can go out and reach out to them and be like, hey, I would like to carry your book because I would like to spread it around there. And then if they become big, you can just, again, you can kind of toot your own horn at that point and be like, look at us. There's a reason why we're number one in Tacoma because we're passing it around to everybody. We're showing you some of the things that no one else is going to be able to you know, uh, be on the hook for. They're not going to know what is out there because you are on the pulse of uh, discovering stuff, really.
2: I try to be. And yeah, that whole thing literally started cuz somebody had come in and was like, "Do you have any like Latina superheroes for my daughter?" And I was like, "Holy shit, I don't. Wow. There yeah. aren't any." Like I couldn't even think of it. And it was the market was so small when I googled it that like, her link came up because there were so few Latina superstars, superheroes, that her Instagram page came up on like the first page of Google. Wow. And so yeah, I like looked at it and there was like, "I think she had a link at the time to like a PDF of like the first book or whatever." And yeah, I was like, oh, this is dope. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, and it was such a good mix of like, not talking down to kids. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's clear it's for children. Yeah. But it never felt like they were talking. She was talking down to kids. And it was a, like a thing that would like introduce them to things that like existed in like Mexican culture. You know, like one okay. of the characters, like her fighting style came from flamenco dancing. Neat. and so like that was her fighting style and it was a cool way of tying in like that culture and stuff and like there's an issue that kind of alludes to um like a drug cartel kidnapping her mother and obviously isn't going into like the gory details of like how that really yeah, works right um but it was enough that like oh you, you would be aware of that like it was enough it was like um an x-men when they would like kind of like hint at like um like in the cartoon they would hint like oh magneto was you know his parents were killed by nazis yeah and they never showed you nazis But you'd see guys in like green uniforms and things. Yeah, yeah. It's the understood
3: the 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 concept is there without being super like on
2: point. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. Like she wasn't afraid to like acknowledge like, yo, this stuff exists and it's a very real thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because like again, like if you're Mexican, like you probably have family or know somebody who has family that lives in Mexico where that is still like a a real present threat, especially in border towns. And so I just thought it was cool that, like, she wasn't afraid to put that out there. And so, yeah, she's done, I think, five books so far. Wow, okay. Um, but, yeah, and they've all been great. I think we've stocked, I think, three of the five. and But, yeah, anytime I get a chance, like, when I see, like, a new book's out, I always try to hit her up and go, like, hey. It's-
3: so people can, I mean, it's like, I mean, like, now with, like, the internet age, it's very easy just to, like, even contact you. And especially with uh, the pandemic, you had to kind of figure out a way to, you know, get comics out there. And one of them is delivery. Do you still do delivery for people? No. Not delivery, not delivery. Oh. Sorry, sorry. Shipping. Shipping, I, meant shipping. Yes. I remember no, you did delivery in a very small area for like kind of a little bit. But no, yeah, just shipping. Sorry about that.
2: Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still still shipping yeah. uh, constantly. It's probably like one third of our business is wow. mailing stuff okay. out. Um, and a lot of it's people just found us on Instagram. And just hit us up and go, hey, I saw you post this thing. Could you send it to me? Especially people who live in like smaller towns, um, or just like like want stuff that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit.
3: So people could like, I mean, suggest you. And I figure you like if you don't have the immediate knowledge, you, you have the the skills to research as such. But it would be something like, hey, because just off the top of my head, I was like, so if I wanted to see like the Ultimates run of like you know how Reed Richards turns into the Maker. Like, you'd be able to kind of figure out and suss out the, 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 the roles and how the issues went with that.
2: Yeah, I could track down, like, the trade paperback that yeah, all those yeah, issues yeah, are in. Yeah, yeah, those goes like. with that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I could definitely do that. And there's times where I've done that for people, too. That's fantastic. Like if they're looking for, like, a specific story arc or specific kind of, like, era. Um, like, these parents came in the other day and were like, "Our kids really into Golden Age Marvel?
0: Wow, and you're like perfect. You're, right.
2: yeah. <laughs> you're like great. All those comics are very expensive and very fragile. Um, and so, like, I went out and was like, "Oh, like, is there like a line for that?" Because, like, even some of the Marvel like epic collections they do start around like the Silver mm-hmm. Age of things, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, "Well, let me find some Golden Age stuff." And sure enough, it's it's very low key. But do you remember like the Marvel Masterpiece series? They had, like, a gold border yeah. on
3: the trains. Yeah, okay, yeah. They
2: just started printing those again. Wow. And I had no idea it was a thing. And so, I was like, absolutely. And so, like, I ordered them, like, Avengers and Fantastic Four nice. and Doctor Strange. And there's a few more that are coming out soon that they're they're going to do. I think Hulk is coming out soon. It was, was one of the other ones. Um, but, yeah, I like, just let them know, like, this is a thing. And so, they went and scooped a few up. And, yeah, probably be back to to get more. But I'm always happy to do, like, a little bit of legwork.
1: That's amazing. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, uh, just a re- really quick about the the DC. They're good at longer arcs. My son is a very he's a uh, was a avid book reader when he was little. He wouldn't read comics. He says, "No, I don't, I don't get anything from comics." Until we, I gave him like the Watchmen, and oh. then and then the uh, Batman, the Dark Knight, and then he went the Flashpoint, and then the Green. Um, green uh, lantern series you know with all the different ones and ends up with the black lanterns you know is that blackest
3: night yeah 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 he ate
1: that ate that up but that's just the way his brain worked you know like you said to help him uh understand the story you know he had to visualize it so he just wasn't in a short format type of uh you know communications He liked it from beginning to end. Oh yeah, like especially
3: with the like the big events too. When they get down into the trade paperbacks, like that helped a lot with that. Uh, I remember following. It was the most recent Secret uh, Secret Wars. And I remember following that issue to issue, and then there was a delay, and then they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have to put out some more issues for that." And I was like, "I love this so much, and I love the writing for it." But then I was like, "I wish I kind of would have trade waited for it a little bit on that." Uh,
2: uh, right. That's how I felt with uh, what is it, House of X, Powers of Ten, I think. Ye- okay, which, which I hated that the X is X and one title. But then it's 10 in the other other one. That made me so mad. (laughs) And especially because it's an X-Men series. And everything is X. Everything is. And now this is the one exception. Now we're going to do Roman numerals (laughs) all of a sudden.
0: (laughs) It's X-Men. I always thought it was 10
2: men. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> no, I saw oh. that movie. Oh, if you want- <laughs> yeah, you bet you did. But if you
3: want to piss off a comic book nerd, just call it ten men. Start calling it ten.
2: men. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do that today when I get back to the <laughs> store. Do <you> please do, please <laughs> do. Somebody like to be X Men stuff. You mean ten men? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Everybody oh knows. God, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> But, yeah, they did where it was, like, you had to, like, read, like, one issue of, like, House of X and then one of Powers of Ten, Yeah. And then it would be issue two and issue two. But then there's a point where, like, it flips. And it's, like, you have to read, like, two concurrent issues and then two concurrent issues to keep, like, in the timeline. Oh, And I was like, no, no, no. I'm waiting for the book. (laughs) And God bless them. they put the book in the reading order. Oh, thank goodness. They didn't goodness. put it wow, in release okay. order. They put it in reading order. <laughs> I mean, it's like 100 bucks to get like the big hardcover. I think, yeah. they, I think they're going to re-release it in paperback for like 50 or 60 which is a, a lot little more better. reasonable. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Though it's also been out for two years. So it's like, I'm going to get that paperback a little quicker, guys. <laughs> but yeah, so like that was a really good one. But I feel you there, like... They're, like I'm definitely a trade paperback guy, unless like for whatever reason I absolutely can't wait. Like uh, the Good Asian is like the most recent book I've read that like I was like I need to get the issues as they come out because I had a a friend tell me about it, and then I read the first couple issues and I was like oh this is really good, and then I like looked how far out the trade paperback was I was like oh I can't wait seven months yeah and so I was like I'm just gonna read this as it comes out and then the trade came out and I bought that anyways and (laughs) that's what I that's
3: that's what I did with uh, American Vampire. Uh, I was super stoked for it because it was like, oh, Stephen King's involved with this, and I loved the uh, I loved the art style, and so I was following it, and I bought I thought I bought the first trade paperback, but I just bought the comics. so I just have them loose everywhere. Then I bought every other trade afterwards because I was like, forget about it. Then I'd be like, oh shit, there's a new one out. Okay, I gotta
2: buy that one. I'm very excited for that one. So, yeah, yeah, same. And plus, I like to binge read. Yeah. Like, I can't read like a chapter a night. Like, I need to, like, finish a book in two days. Yeah. And it will be, like, all I do in my free time will be, like, reading a book. And so I'm all about, like, getting the trade and just, like, blowing through that. Uh, Around Seattle,
3: actually, Adam, uh, uh, add another coaster question. How many comics are currently at home? And do you try to separate yourself from the shop and what you want to buy? Or is it are you buying some of the things that you really want to, you know, pack away for yourself or just to read for yourself and then sell them? (laughs)
2: Oh, definitely. I've definitely bought stuff for myself, read it, and then like put it in the clearance area in the clearance section. And so, if you see like a like a book that feels very recent or new, but it's in like the five dollar like clearance area. That's probably something I, I bought and read. That's
3: why you need to check out those boxes.
2: Yeah, um, <laughs> I would say though, like as a whole, I've definitely cut back on comics. Like I have like a couple short boxes of stuff that I just really wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. But when we got the store, I put a few of like things I knew I wasn't going to read again. Yeah, just in there, or things I collected just because I had bought it and read it and then tucked it away and just forgot about it. Um, I don't really buy a whole lot for myself anymore. Like. I do if I'm going out somewhere like I like going to, like Tricky's in in Tacoma and like I'll get toys nice. there. Yeah, but if I'm buying a collection of toys, unless it's something I like wanted my whole life, I try to just let it go in the store. Um, there have been it's things perfect, where perfect. like it's been there for six months and I'm like. Okay, clearly, this is a sign that it, it's it, meant to be
3: it's meant for you <laughs> yeah, so there's been a few things that have that have gotten
2: that way, but I try to like abide by the ten crack commandments, and one of them is you never get high in your own supply, <laughs> so I try not to Fair to enough. get to take anything out of the store um, but so record collecting has been my new thing now, really because it's something that i I can separate myself from from the store, like, true yeah, with like comics, I love reading comics and having comics at home. But it's like, as much as I love comics, I can't do 24 hours of straight comics. Like yeah. I still love reading the trades. I keep up on it, but at home it's like I need something I can collect and obsess over that will be just as much of a, a money a money pit as comics. Mm. Uh, but I'm not going to be inundated with like it's. I can step away. And so vinyl's been that thing.
3: How are you doing? Vinyls? Are you going for like the new ones? Or are you hitting like? Because I love uh, uh, hitting up like uh, we've done it with like high voltage and uh just kind of checking out whatever they've got but hitting those like again the clearance bins and just finding like the random weird stuff.
2: Yeah, and that's what we've been doing is like nice. uh we go yeah. to Junkuland which is like up on 6th Ave. Okay, yeah. And they actually used to be our neighbor. And Oh, okay. And then uh Tiger the guy who owns it ended up moving and getting his own separate location. Uh but yeah, I love going through just like yeah, the $5 bins or like clearance stuff and just finding like oh this looks like a really cool cover. Yeah. I wonder what it sounds like. Um, there's been a few things I bought from things I just didn't know existed, like Paul McCartney and Wings. I didn't know was a thing you didn't know. I thought after the Beatles he because it was like it was all eighties like right before my time, yeah, and it was never stuff that got like replayed on the radio, oh yeah,
3: they had one song that played on the radio, and I don't even band on the run,
2: yeah, yeah, that and was so it. It. it was a whole era of like McCartney that I just missed, and when I saw like like the records, I was like, okay, I have to get this, and what's so funny is Paul McCartney who was part of this band that changed the scape landscape of music. So many people are inspired by it and yeah. like truly innovative. Every Beatles record has its own style and flavor to it. All the music for Paul McCartney and Wings... Not even the albums sound the same. All of the songs are virtually the same. It is the most <laughs> generic '80s, like it's, it's so bland, synthwave esque so, so, music.
3: It's so bland. I was, I was like, is that does that one go into your maybe your like trade LPs or something like that with
2: people, or are
3: you still sticking around and holding on to that one?
2: I mean, I still have it. We don't have a lot of friends that are into vinyl, which is the other thing. So, oh, see now, see now, we've got
3: like Michelle, my wife, will buy, um, and we've gone a couple. She'll buy one, and she'll be like, hey, "I don't know if I will, how long I want to keep that." We might have to have uh, have you guys come over and do like an LP trade or something. I'd be down for that. Nice, because I mean, I'll find all the weird stuff. I found uh, Adventures. Adventures does like symphony, so it's Ventures Symphony music. So like you know the guitar and all of that stuff from Tacoma like that I found it out in Port Orchard I'm like yeah I'll buy this for seven bucks sure I don't even know how it's gonna go but I will I will I take this out so we're always into that weird stuff so yeah man that'd be fun (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, I think the only new records are new vinyl that I ever buy is like hip hop and even then it won't necessarily be stuff that came out like that that week like I'll pick up anything MF Doom if I see MF Doom I buy MF Doom yeah Uh, just has always been a big fan. Um, and there's a few other ones I've picked up. But yeah, I would say like for the most part, I try to find like the older obscure stuff and just get into that. Like even early in the pandemic, when we closed our doors at the store, mm-hmm. I made it a goal where like every day I'm going to listen to one album from start to finish that I had never heard of before. Wow, either nice. Either something somebody rec- recommended to me or just like an artist that I liked and there's like an old album of theirs I never listened to or whatever yeah, the case yeah. may be. And I found some really cool music that way. There's a lot of stuff that I just found as garbage. Like, I learned <laughs> I don't like modern country. I tried it. I listened to, like, uh, some Kenny Chesney, some Brad Paisley. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. And it's just, it's not for me. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not for me. I'll say it's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's not. It all definitely does sound the same. Yeah, I mean, for it, sure. Yeah, yeah, like every every song starts with that burner, and it's like no, <laughs> it's
3: no, broke country stuff. Man. Yeah, it's like uh, let me, yeah. let me
2: guess. It's cold beer. It's jeans that fit right. It's a pickup truck. It's a pretty girl. Like I get Murca. it. Yeah, Merca. Yeah, right. Murca. So I was like, "All right, it's it's not for me." Yeah, I'm not. Right. I won't say it's bad because I'm sure for some people it does resonate with, yeah, right? I'm sure if you're parked in like Ottawa, you it's- know, perpendicular to the street <laughs> right now, if your <laughs> uncle is probably- your
3: father, yeah, you're uh, yeah, right. Yeah, father. it's like yeah, I have no problem crapping on country music because <laughs> also I like a lot of '90s country that. <laughs> does not hold up the same reason why i like a lot of bunch of shitty uh, 2000s new metal because again that does not hold up but i also like a lot of the old school country um like super old school the the patsy klein we got a patsy klein lp so maybe do a trade Ooh. on that one uh i'd be i'd be down that, for that. that might be my wife's i don't know if she wants to let go of that one mm-hmm. so we'll figure that one out but at least we'll listen to it hang yeah. out and bring some of that stuff that'd be super fun
2: oh definitely and yeah older country i find resonates a lot more with yeah. me like i think it's there it's like Old country from like the 70s, like that kind of almost like hee haw era, I think (laughs) clicks more because it feels the way that 80s hip hop felt, where it was somebody telling like a really like unique, like personal story. Or even if it was made up, it was a story that you weren't hearing everybody else. Like I forget the name of the singer. She did the song called the Harper Valley PTA. Uh And it's a whole song about her getting kicked out of school for dressing kind of sexy. Yeah. And her mom shows up to this PTA meeting and calls every single person in the town out on their bs like why is it, and it's she just roasts them like if this happened for real cuz it's straight up like why is your husband always coming home late smelling like someone else's perfume michelle and like just goes <laughs> off on like all these people like it's so good like calls oh, I don't them out hear like hear I no, I haven't heard that
1: one that's funny
2: yeah yeah i forget the the they, singer's name they oh. made
1: a movie about it too did they
2: really yeah. oh yeah. I need to see this now. I hope it's just 90 minutes of just her walking into a rose. It's
3: just a rose. (laughs) The PTA rose. I think you can find some of those. Yeah. yeah, I think you can find some of those videos just on YouTube in about 90 second increments as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I would say the Harper Valley PTA was like Tupac's hit him up before hit him up. Like it is that level of ruthless. It's like, here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Like just going in on him. Um, Oh, Genie C. Riley. Really? That's, her, uh, that's the name of the all right the singer.
3: We're gonna listen to that. Yeah, I'm 1968
2: that. is when that came out.
3: That's amazing. I love it, man. You are a wealth of knowledge.
2: I tr- I'm a wealth <laughs> of useless knowledge. Though. Well, I mean, like as far as useful knowledge goes, I can change a tire, and that is like the extent of it? like my the things i truly know how to do that would help somebody in normal life
3: i could drive to a jiffy lube
2: good enough right yeah Uh and that's how i feel like there's people whose like job is to know this stuff yeah you know what i mean like we've all shouldered part of the burden of a society of knowledge and just you know mine's not as important but you know it's still there absolutely so that's how that's how i look at it you know what i mean like there's a doctor right now who doesn't have to worry about, like, you know, what's the newest Donnie Cates book? You know what I mean? Or, like, how what long was his life? run on Venom? He doesn't have to carry that burden. I'm <laughs> I'm shouldering that burden. And then, in turn, he's going to repair my patella. <laughs> like, that's how I look at it. I don't it. need
3: to learn that. You got that.
2: Yeah. As I'm counting back from 10, when he's, like, surgically repairing my shoulder, <laughs> oh God. I'll just be, like, letting him know, like... Crossover's really good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right? He's like, okay, thank you very much, Ethan. Ethan HD, Destiny City Comics, Destiny You can contact him. Email HD at destinycitycomics.com. It's down on St. Helens Avenue, right here at the heart of Tacoma. Like one of the uh, one of the great places next to King's Books.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're we're all in the same building as King's. Yep. We have our own separate entrance and door, mm-hmm. but it's all it's all one building, and then there's also pure vintage. Oh yeah, that's right. As well, yeah, in the same building. So it's kind of a nice little like one-stop shop.
3: Yep, and you can get a good meal right next over uh, uh, at Doyle's. Yeah, and make that all happen so you can make a whole event of it.
2: And Doyle's will just seemingly always open because they do like the Premier League <laughs> soccer events. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: So it's like at like one in the morning when oh, they're my. like, yeah, <laughs> we're open. Why are you open? Soccer match? Where? <laughs> Way over there. <laughs>
2: but it's packed though yeah. like i mean people turn out for it. like it's definitely worth it for them absolutely but yeah there's been times where like i've gone to the shop at like 8 in the morning just to like clean and like do maintenance and i was like why are there so many people in there and then i'll peek in and i'll be like oh yeah it's chelsea fc okay yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
3: that's why uh, if you want to get the hours, well, you can go check out DestinyCityComics.com. Everywhere also on the social media, and I think it's just pretty much straight up uh like uh what are the Instagram handles and all that stuff?
2: Instagram, Facebook's Destiny City Comics, Twitter's Destiny City Comics, but that's, it's C O M X. That's right, that's right. Because there wasn't enough room to do <laughs> the full thing. The whole the whole shebang. Exactly. Um yeah, I think that's I don't think we have any other social media I had TikTok for two weeks. The Did store, you? The store had a TikTok. Congratulations, you made it two weeks. I couldn't figure it out like how how to how it works. Like I couldn't figure out how to like reach out to people and network and everything. And right I was like, yet. I'm 30. This is <laughs> Yeah. I like I I,
3: I am addicted to TikTok because I love those little, you know, 15 second dopamine hits but I made one video. I got three views and I'm like, you know what? I'm deleting that video. and fuck
0: this shit. <laughs>
3: like, I'm just like, I don't need to worry about this. And I mean, I haven't even posted on
0: Instagram for uh, I was almost to say, a That's year how now. I feel about Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love watching uh,
3: Instagram. I love looking at Instagram and hell. We have a great city podcast Instagram that thank God Jeff posts shit on. Cause I do not.
0: Right. He said, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, yeah, right. You're right.
3: But yeah, so you can find you everywhere. Get all those pictures, get to the information. They can contact Contact you all those different ways. Figuring out about how to get comics, about your favorite comic book characters, and maybe the weird stuff that they've run, and maybe some of those so bad they're good uh, series as well. We didn't even get talk about Fish Police. And Fish Police was fucking fantastic. oh
2: good. yeah, Fish Police. uh What was it? The Badger. The Badger. Yeah. Oh, there's some really yeah. good like late eighties, early nineties. Like
3: if you're looking for some like truly interesting stuff, yeah. Like I said, Ethan is a wealth of knowledge.
2: Oh, absolutely. Super Pro. <laughs> NFL Super Pro is another one. The NFL-sponsored superhero
3: who was also a professional football player.
2: Yeah, and Maybe. his costume was a football outfit, which is great for a retired football be? player yeah. if it's you're life. trying to hide your identity, <laughs> right? is to wear a football helmet.
3: No one would suspect. Right no now? one. Not at all. It's better than Clark Kent's glasses, yeah. right?
2: Oh, well, his Clark Kent identity was he was a field reporter because he was a retired football player. <laughs> so. Even better, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: That's why he's always around.
3: (laughs) It's so bad. (laughs) Oh, man. Ethan, thank you again for being on with us. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find more of our episodes, even the earlier episode we had with Ethan, which we talked less comic books and more wrestling on that one. This is true. Um, You can find that at GritCityPodcast.com. You can also find links to our Discord, so you can participate in live recordings or just chat with us whenever. Also, our Patreon, which is Patreon.com slash GritCityPodcast. I like saying GritCityPodcast. Um, but branding. We, <laughs> and uh, where you can also get access to the way, way, way old uh, episodes with our good friend Brogan, who is not here today, um, but Scott and Brogan started this whole thing off many, many years ago. I think there's even a classic with each Ethan on there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where we met.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, lots of different ways to uh, experience all of us. And you get access to our amazing t-shirts and our hoodies and all the weird art that Jeff does and all the weird art that we have other people in Tacoma do making sure to help out everyone out in Tacoma Ethan again thank you so much for being with us thank you for having me and everyone out there please stay gritty you've been listening to the Grit City Podcast check them out at GritCityPodcast.com